Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives. What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. All right, welcome in to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. I'm just looking over some... Just looking over some Allen contract details. I'm kind of surprised at the way it's structured if what's being reported by Pro Football Talk is accurate. Overthecap.com has taken that report by Pro Football Talk, which has kind of outlined the money in Josh Allen's deal year by year. And from what they have, it's really this deal that we've been talking about today a lot. It's a six-year extension, which ties Allen to the Bills through 2028. But if you really get into the nitty-gritty of this deal, it's basically a two-year extension. And then, if you're great, and you keep playing like you should, like one of the elite quarterbacks of the league, and we have no reason to believe that, that that's not going to happen, but as long as you do that, you keep going. And we got nothing to talk about. But, the Bills left themselves an out here. If, if Carson Wentz 2.0 were to happen for some reason. And again, I don't want to start with this, but it's just kind of what was just released on Twitter. So it was right on my feed, and that's why I'm bringing it up right now. But just essentially, the Bills did great here. Allen did great too. I think when Allen just said it in this press conference that we wanted a deal where both sides win, I think that's what legitimately has happened here. Allen gets the massive payday. He gets... $100 million in guaranteed money. An NFL record. He is, by year by year, the second highest paid quarterback in football. And in turn, the Bills, who kind of did something here that is unprecedented, in signing a franchise quarterback based to a mega deal, based off one elite season, that does not happen. Everybody else has to do it at least twice, if not more. But because the Bills were willing to do that, and they were sure enough of themselves to do it now, they left themselves some protection in the final four years of the six-year extension. So, I don't. there's no downside to this trade, or to this, this signing. Jody Biasi here on the nightcap. 8030550 is the phone number if you want to get involved tonight. Again, I don't see any, there's nothing to it. Not that I want there to be. This is a great day. This is an amazing day for Bills fans. And for the Bills. And for Josh Allen. 
This is a day we've been waiting 20 stinking years for. I mean, quarterback after quarterback after quarterback, and not we're, we wouldn't even get near the conversation of a second contract. Two guys got there. Ryan Fitzpatrick got there, and Tyrod Taylor got there. Those two quarterbacks made it to second contracts. Funny enough, the two quarterbacks that the Bills basically pulled off the street that just happened to be really good. Not the guys they drafted. Not JP. Not EJ. It was those guys. And even those deals were incredibly modest. Back half of the league, quarterback-wise, for money. So, even when we got to the conversation about a second contract, it was never this. It was never close to this. It was never, you're the second highest paid player in football. Because that's how good you are. It was never $100 million. I went through the Bills history on OverTheCap.com, and if you look at the Bills' historical team spending, who are the players the Bills have spent the most real dollars on? Not the inflated contract numbers that you'll see. So like Marcel Darius, for example. He signed a deal. That was a $100 million contract. And it was even worth up to, I think, $161 million at one point. But what did the Bills actually give him in terms of money? He ended up making $65 million with the Buffalo Bills. One guy tops him, Mario Williams, at $67 million. Who's third? Jerry Hughes, still going, $64 million. Who's fourth? Kyle Williams, $58 million dollars who's fifth Eric Wood 48 million look at the list it's linemen and that's fine the Bills have had some great linemen in the last 10 years that Williams Darius Hughes Kyle Williams defensive line was the best unit in the league for a couple of years and Eric Wood was a really good center for a decade So, not taking anything away from those guys, but you should you should have quarterbacks at the top of that list, right? But you just you haven't had the opportunity. You haven't had the opportunity. Not even for those middle of the road quarterback contracts, the middle tier ones. Even when Tyrod and Fitz got them, it was the back half. There was never even a Tannehill contract or a Cousins contract. Nothing. And They've gone from 0 to 100 here. They've gone from the team that had, was it 12 300-yard passing games from 2000 to 2017? Or no, 2000 to 2020. Over 20 years, this team had like a dozen 300-yard passing games. And last year, Josh Allen had 8. They've gone from the easily the worst quarterback play in the sport for two decades, to now, you can make a legitimate argument that they have the second best quarterback in football. And maybe that there's not as big a gap as reputation might tell you between first and second. That guy is worth that contract. And you you did not have to pay him in my mind, but you were going to pay him eventually anyway. So, 
Why not do it now? I was kind of in the middle here. I did not think this deal had to happen right now. I have no issue with it happening now because there are positives to it happening right now. But if you've heard me over the last few weeks on this show, I have made the case for why you don't have to do it this offseason. You don't. You don't have to be different than everybody. You don't have to be unprecedented. Every other quarterback other than Jimmy Garoppolo, who just happened to get his deal before he even stepped on the field in San Francisco, other than him, everybody else had to do it twice, at least twice. Or there's some guys like Dak Prescott who had to do it six times before he got the contract he wanted. So why why me, Buffalo? Why do I have to do it differently? Well, that maybe was a poor way of looking at it. They did not have to do it. And Brandon Bean had spoke about that many times. They did not sound like an organization that felt as though they had to sign Josh Allen this offseason. But they wanted to. And why did they want to? Because today we're kind of talking about it. There are added benefits to doing it one year early. You are probably saving yourself some real cap dollars in the future. This deal goes through 2028. And most likely, like what? What's the odds? 97%, 98%. This guy is going to be their quarterback for all eight of those years. So, you have to think about what's going to happen with the salary cap. And I'm thinking of it right now and looking at, okay, $43 million. And, you know, he's second in the league and that's a lot of money in it. The percentage of the cap, what is it? It's like 20-some percent. That's a very high percentage. But what's that deal going to look like five years from now? What's it going to look like five years from now? Because with the new TV money kicking in and quarterback value continuing to rise every single year, that contract at some point in its life cycle is going to look like a bargain. And for now, the Bills don't, they're not in a cap crunch at all. They can easily afford on their salary cap to give Josh Allen that contract. And they've not yet reached a point where they've had to say goodbye to players because you just can't pay everybody. They've not gotten there yet. And maybe there will be a casualty or two over the years that falls to that sword. But it hasn't happened yet. And if the cap has a dramatic rise, like some are predicting, this Allen deal is not going to inhibit the Bills in any way. And Allen kind of did them a favor with that. If I were Allen or Allen's agent, and I were only thinking business, if I were only thinking, how do I max out with the dollars? Not signing an eight-year deal. Not even thinking about an eight-year deal. You know what I'm doing? I'm doing what Dak Prescott did. Dak Prescott went for the dollars. He wanted to cash out, which is perfectly within his right. And what did he do to do that? He signed a four-year deal. Because in four years, when the top quarterbacks in the league are making $55 million a season instead of 40, 
Prescott is going to still be in his prime and he is going to get that 50 plus million dollar a year deal rather than being stuck at that 40 number for eight years and not having to hold out and get ugly with the organization in order to get what you want. Because I saw that today. A lot of argument that, you know, they sign these long-term deals, but like, you know, if Allen five years from now was the 15th highest paid quarterback in the league, well, he could just hold out and get the money he wants. But I don't think you want to have to do that. But Allen strikes me from the way he sounds and just really the way he's been brought up on this team. He doesn't give you any impression that he's going to make things ugly. It it almost seems like a dream. It just seems too perfect, right? Like if Allen did feel like he was underpaid five years from now, don't you just feel like, don't you just have enough trust in the organization and the quarterback that it would just happen behind closed doors and we just read about it one day? Like, oh, this happened. Allen's going to pay raise. Well, okay. Sure. Fine. Like it's just going to happen. There's nothing, everyone seems to be on the same page. And the talent is there. Allen, to me, deserves an enormous amount of credit for fixing his own mechanics. The digital mapping, the working with, digital mapping, when I say that, with him having a company digitally map his throwing motion to then correct it thereafter and know what he's doing wrong. To work with Jordan Palmer off-season after off-season on his own. The guy is clearly dedicated to the craft, and he is smart about it. He deserves a ton of credit for being smart about it. Because everybody can get in there and say they're working hard. Cam Newton is one of those guys, right? Cam Newton absolutely works hard. He gets a lot of credit for being the first guy in the building and the last guy to leave. He's watching film. You know, he's throwing with the with his with his receivers in the offseason. He's flying them out to wherever his vacation spot is, and they're getting working in the offseason. But what has Cam Newton never done? Cam Newton has never changed the way he throws. And it worked for him when he was an elite athlete in the sport. He has issues with his shoulders, dipping, that causes him to overthrow his wide receiver. He has inconsistencies planting and throwing off his front foot. He is, a lot of times, almost throwing a fadeaway. And he just kind of does it instinctually. And he's never corrected that. And now that he's not an elite athlete by NFL standards for the quarterback position, what's happened? He is not consistent enough as a passer to make it anymore. And he is a couple bad games away from maybe never starting in the league again. Allen could have just put his head down and, you know, worked hard. And, you know, come at 4 o'clock in the morning into the weight room. And watch hours of film every day. And fly Isaiah McKenzie and Duke Williams out to his place in wherever, California, in the offseason, and, and run routes with them and, and throw throw to them. He could have done all that. But he didn't stop there. He knew he had an issue. He knew he had an accuracy issue coming into the league. He knew it. All the draft analysts that said he had an accuracy problem were correct. Now, they were wrong in saying you couldn't fix it. 
Because Allen's proved you can. And he has. The biggest jump one year to the next we've ever seen in completion percentage. And he's also proved, by the way, that completion percentage does matter. Because everyone wanted to say when he first came into the league, oh, who cares about his completion percentage? Well, it's not a coincidence that his percentage went up to 70 and the Bills were the best offense in football, or one of them. He deserves a ton of credit for that. The Bills deserve some credit too because Brian Dable's scheme has helped, of course, and as has Brandon Bean bringing in Stephon Diggs and John Brown and Cole Beasley and Isaiah McKenzie, separators, wide receivers that just they create space between them and their corner, and who cares about the rest? As long as you catch the ball and you create separation between your guy and you, that's going to help your quarterback. And Josh, we need you to do the rest. And he did the rest. He's made it. And I don't see those being issues that can revert. And that's why the Bills should feel incredibly comfortable with the deal they have signed him to. Because the types of things that can regress, I don't think are present in Allen's game. He throws the ball differently than he did coming into the league. I guess he could just go back and revert to what he was as a rookie, but once you've learned it and once you've understood why it's now working, I can't believe that that would ever happen when he's as smart as he is. This is a great deal for the Bills. I think it does allow them four, five, six years from now. If they w- Stephon Diggs is how old? Because, you know, they're not thinking about these issues yet. And they shouldn't be, neither should we. But some point down the road, we're going to have to. At some point down the road, five years from now, when Stephon Diggs is 33 years old, we're going to have to start thinking about, all right, who's our number one wide receiver for Josh Allen, who would still be in his prime by then at, like, what, 29? Who's going to be that guy's number one stud wide receiver? And in five to six years, when they are faced with questions like that, that they are not currently facing, they are going to have the flexibility to go out, and if they haven't developed one in the draft, they don't have a pick where they feel like they can get one right away for Josh Allen in the draft, because of his contract, it'll be a lot easier for the Bills to go get the next Stephon Diggs, the next Cole Beasley the next John Brown, the next Deion Dawkins. All of that becomes easier because you signed Allen this year and you did it for a long time, a six-year extension that locks him up through 2028. All of that gets easier. And I have always believed this is a volume play. I don't need you to be better than the Chiefs, really in any single year. On paper, that is. Because if you're the second best team in the league for 10 years, you're going to win a Super Bowl. It's just mathematics. It's probabilities. It's just going to happen. So if you can maintain what you did last year, and Kansas City remains what they were, which also is very unlikely from happening, especially over that period of time, if you keep this going along the track it's gone, You're going to get one. 
You're going to get one. And today was a big step into ensuring that that possibility and that the chances of that happening remain high. It's very realistic to think. Very realistic to think. Because of the GM and coach's reputation, the moves they've made over the course of a couple of years, now that we have a real sample size, because of the quarterback's rise and the quarterback's contract thrown in, along with the current roster around them, it's very, very, very realistic to think that the Bills will win Buffalo's first championship in this eight-year window that Josh Allen has signed. It's no longer fanciful to think that can happen. It's real. It's a real possibility. Possibility. I almost want to be stronger than that. I like I'm I'm stopping myself a little short of saying it should happen. But again, you maintain what you've done for eight years. And sheer luck in the playoffs you find your way there once and you win there's no reason to not be incredibly hyped about this contract 8030550 is the phone number if you've got reaction to Josh Allen signing his mega deal 258 million dollars give me a call 8030550 is the phone number it's the nightcap with Joe DiBiase this is WGR Welcome back to the nightcap Joe DiBiase here on WGR reacting to Josh Allen's Six-year contract extension worth $258 million. It is the largest contract in Buffalo sports history. Uh, I went through a lot in the last segment. Just to recap real quick. It's a win-win. Allen called it a win-win in his presser, and it came to fruition. We're now looking at Track has uploaded the details of the deal. Um, in terms of the, the structure of it. So if you have missed that because that's now out. It's a, it's a hell of a deal for Allen, and it's a hell of a deal for the Bills. For Allen, Allen is getting, obviously, an NFL record $100 million in guarantees. He is getting something that Mike Giannitti from Track tweets, almost no player has ever received, and that is upfront guaranteed money in the fourth year of a contract. Usually that is only right away. But Allen is getting 38 of $41 million guaranteed in year four. And then in year five even, he gets a $25 million roster bonus. And 20 of the $51 million cap hit is guaranteed to him. And for the Bills, again, they are, I mean, you have to plan for catastrophic, right? You hope that you never have to think about it, but you have to plan for it. You have to plan as though Carson Wentz could happen here. You have to plan as though Jared Goff could happen here. And what happened in those situations? The Eagles and the Rams signed quarterbacks that were drafted high, like Allen, and had great a great year, two years versus Allen's one. They had great two years. So they signed him because, like, what's there to think about? They struggled as rookies, golf more than once. They broke out in their second and third years. And we signed them. They were drafted high. So, like, what's to think about? They left themselves no protection 
So when three, four years went by, four years went by, I think, in both cases, both teams wanted out, and they were stuck. The Eagles took on like a $35 million cap hit, and I think the Rams took on a bigger one than that even. The Bills, most likely, and that's putting it lightly itself, will never have to think this way. But the final four years of the deal, you can walk away whenever you, you need to. If you if you ever had to, you can just you're, you're done. So really, it becomes a two-year extension because he had the final year of his rookie deal coming up this year. Then he had the fifth-year option. So you already had him for two years. And he's now locked in, locked in through four years. So really, it's a two-year extension. And is if you're elite, then we, we keep going. As long as you're an elite quarterback, you're a great quarterback, we keep going. And that is what is probably going to happen, given the understanding, the decision-making of this front office, and how often they get things right, how they understand the current passing environment in the NFL, and Allen's physical attributes combined with his mental smartness and toughness, the athleticism, it's all there. He checks every box. So there's no reason, there's no logical reason to look and think, I have to worry about putting protections into the deal. But the Bills got them in there. And they kept him under Mahomes. So I would say the Bills won on this deal, and I think Allen won. And off we go. 803-0550 is the phone number. Let's start taking some phone calls here. Let's start with Jonathan and Alden. You're on the nightcap. What's up, Jonathan? Hey, Joe. Um, first of all, um, I, great show. Um, but I want to say, uh, while I'm very happy about this deal and I don't want to sound negative, I'm a little um, worried about what your, about your thought process is. Like, you, you, like you've been arguing that we are the Peyton Manning Colts that we're competing with the um, Tom Brady Patriots, which is the Patrick Mahomes Chiefs. And that if, this ha- if we remain second place, second best, we're bound to win at least one Super Bowl. My concern is if you were around in the 80s and the 90s, I'm sure you would have been saying that about Jim Kelly's bill. I'm sure you would have been saying, oh, San Francisco's bonds have a, could have a down year or Dallas mm-hmm. could have a down year. Well, they lost four straight Super Bowls and then had to wait 25 years to get back here. So I'm, I, I'm hoping we'll win at least one, but I don't want to just assume that Kansas City or – any other teams just is just yep. gonna go away. I just want Speed and McDermott to continue improving this roster. I yep. know only, only I, listen. I know thank you thank you for the call, Jonathan. I think you're right to bring that up because I think maybe that's the hesitation to everybody jumping on board with my be the second best team in the league for a decade, and you'll get one. Because they were in Super Bowls four straight years and they lost all four. But what are the odds of that happening? What were the odds of the Bills losing four Super Bowls like that? They were incredibly remote. And it's easy to look at your own past experience and then make a judgment based on that. But if you really look at the macro and look at other teams that have been in similar situations where there was a team always above them, but you were consistently good for a very long time, Those teams have not lost four Super Bowls. They have won Super Bowls. Maybe not more than one, but they've gotten them. And here in Buffalo, I don't want to criticize the city and the sports fans by saying the standard is lower, but let's be honest. 
standard's lower. We just want one. That's all I mean by that. We just want one. If you're in Green Bay, I think Green Bay should be embarrassed that they have only won two Super Bowls with 30 years of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. But in part, they should be embarrassed because you're Green Bay. You have, what do they have, six Super Bowls? Five Super Bowls? I mean, come on. Your standard should be higher than that. One Super Bowl in in 17 years of one of the best quarterbacks of all time, I don't consider that a success. But here, we're still chasing our first. So getting that one is the only success we care about. We don't not, we don't care at all about what's beyond that yet. So again, look at the recent examples. The Colts were dogged by the Patriots for forever. Peyton Manning is going to the Hall of Fame is that tomorrow? His entire career, he was unbelievable. In fact, if he he was one he was beating Tom Brady consistently away from being the best quarterback of all time. He's got the numbers. He has the consistency. He had all of it. But why is Peyton Manning not the GOAT? He couldn't beat Brady. But he won a Super Bowl. Because guess what? They were nipping on the Patriots' heels every single year. They had how many chances at them? Did they have five, six chances at the Patriots in the playoffs? And if you play them that often... Hey, they beat him once. AFC Championship game in 2006, 38 to 34, and they went on to win the Super Bowl. And I know that's only one example itself. I would take that in a heartbeat. If the Bills faced Kansas City 6 times over the next 10 years in the postseason, and they only won one, but they won the Super Bowl, that is a success. And New England is really the only team to compare Kansas City to here because they're the most recent dynasty. And maybe Kansas City won't be that. It's really only happened once, right? In the last 30 years where a team has been that good for that long. So, I don't know. Travis Kelsey's 32. Hey, maybe three years from now, him and Tyreek Hill aren't even there anymore. Andy Reid's retired. And maybe the Bills are the best team in the league for a sustained amount of time. But... You only got to be the Colts or the Steelers. The Steelers are the other example there. Same thing as the Colts. You were always second to New England. But you did it for long enough that you had a couple of years where you got through them. 2004. No, 2005 is the year they win, right? The Patriots are maybe not in the playoffs that year. So no Patriots, and they have their path is open. They beat the Seahawks. That'll happen to Kansas City. They'll have a year or two where they're not as good as they normally are. And then they win the Super Bowl in 2008. Again, they don't have to deal with New England. They were right there for so long with Roethlisberger, they ended up getting two. That's why I call it a volume play. And that's why this contract, because of its structure, its length, its cap hits, it's designed for that. I'm not saying they did that on purpose. They will never tell you they want to be second best for 10 years. They want to be the best. But this contract leads you there. Let's go to Shelly. You're on the nightcap. What's up, Shelly? How you doing, Joe? Pretty good. How about you? Good. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. I just wanted to say I'm super stoked about this contract. I just think that Josh, he got paid, and then we have an opening for 
long-term deal to where we could restructure and sign some talent along the way if need be and if it fits the scheme. I just think it's perfect, and I've been a fan for about 45 years, and I'm, I don't think I've ever been this psyched. Thank you for the call. I, it's, it's, it's amazing, right? The Bills have an elite quarterback. We're not even arguing about not even the second, like whether he should get a second contract. It was assumed. And that's incredible because how good do you have to be for a second contract of this magnitude to be assumed? He had one of the best years we've ever seen from a quarterback. And I think it's got to be the best in Bill's history. So we, this is the most excited anyone's ever been coming into a year with this team, right? I'm 26. I don't remember the 90s. Is this rate? Is it about the same? I feel like it's got to. Especially since it's newer than it. Well, maybe, of course, at the beginning back then it was new. But uh, One more call, then we'll take a break. Ben, you're on the nightcap. What's up, Ben? Hey, how's it going, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. How about you? I'm excited. I am, I'm a six-year season ticket holder. I'm 28 years old. I don't remember us re-signing a quarterback. Maybe Trent Edwards or Fitzpatrick. I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. But it is it is just so exciting to to have like a legitimate quarterback in Buffalo now, and like I, I I I appreciate you playing devil's advocate on some points and you know what the what if could happen, mm-hmm. but I I just think it's a it's a great thing the city's needed it, and one other thing I wanted to throw out there is I mean who's to see what comes I'm not sure how long do we have Gabe Davis signed for. Well, he's on his rookie deal, so it's a four-year deal. It's year two, so he's got this year and then two more after. Yeah, so he looked great last year in his rookie year, and if he's growing, you know, with Josh, I mean, I think that's gonna be that's gonna be a staple. And going back to what you were talking about, maybe five years down the line, yeah, you know, when when Diggs is past his prime, we might already have our next number one. Yeah, we might. I, mean, I think I, I I think I think it's a great thing for Josh, and yeah, the city needs it. Thanks for the call, Ben. Uh, you hit on a bunch of great points there. I like the Davis point. I think, you know, I'm already I've already started to think about what's their receiver room look like next year, and I think Davis is right now your incumbent number two wide receiver of the future, and this will be a year for him to prove that he's that. Let alone, yeah, five years from now he'll be 27 years old. In the middle of his prime, he's—I mean—that happens a little younger than it used to. So, still in his prime, though. Um, yeah, can he be like a hundred-target wide receiver in the league? Well, let's. Here's the thing. Like, kind of like you said, I don't know that's going to happen. I think it could, maybe not likely, but it absolutely could happen. And if it does, the Bills will have the money to sign Gabriel Davis because Bean is like a wizard with this stuff. He got Davis. I'm sorry, Davis. He got Tredavious White and Deion Dawkins on very affordable contracts for the level of player they are. He got Matt Milano on a deal that nobody expected. It was lower than most people thought. He got he built his offensive line with contracts that no one thought Daryl Williams was going to settle for that amount or John Feliciano. We thought we were losing those guys. Bean is locking guys in, and he's doing it in a way that allows him to lock in the next guy. And maybe that'll be Tremaine Edmonds next. Maybe that'll be at Oliver next. I still think the way it works in the league, you see it all over the place. This happened in Seattle. Seattle lost a dynasty because they just ran out of money. They had too many guys to pay. I think eventually that probably happens to somebody. But 
I don't know, man. The way Bean is constructing this thing, it might not. It really might not happen. 8030550 is the phone number. I don't have a name on line one. What's uh caller? What's your name? Uh, Jason from Buffalo. Jason, what's up, man? Go ahead. Uh, hey, I just uh, wanted to, you know, talk about how excited, you know, I was today hearing about Josh Allen. It was, you know, great news. All right. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, how can it not be great news at this point? Um, this is an exciting day. It's not really your typical Friday news dump, by the way. I thought we might be getting a Jack Eichel trade. When I saw this news, because, uh, well, it's a nice distraction. <laughs> it's a nice distraction. We're all feeling good. And if you want to sneak uh, an Eichel trade by us that's maybe not as ideal as we might have hoped, uh, this would have been the time to do it. Eichel had a weird day, by the way. I mean, we're running out of time here um, here on the Nutcap, but Eichel had a weird day. He There was a Twitter account that was verified that was at Jack Eichel, and it seemed like it was him, but then John Vogel of The Athletic, to no fault of his own, he was told by Eichel's agents, that's not him. Um, so suddenly, you know, my reaction was, really, Twitter? Like, we're letting this fake Jack Eichel get a blue check mark, but Nate can't get a blue check mark? Like, what, what is going on here? But then we find out later, in an amazing tweet from Jack Eichel, who's, ever, who's always, you know, I mean, among hockey players especially, hockey players, just the driest sense of humor that you've ever seen. Um, Eichel has always kind of been the opposite of that. And he tweeted, just to get it exactly right here, bring it up. Sources have confirmed this is not a fake account. Source being me, Jack, crying face emoji. Uh, so he nailed that one with the, the dismount on that tweet. Um, interesting. He's following one person on Twitter and it's at NHL. So he's not he's not giving you any insight there. He's not following the Sabres. He's not following anybody else to go, oh, look, he's not following the Sabres. The Sabres did follow Jack on Twitter. So, hey, man, I'm just saying, I want to feel optimistic about this. I love Jack Eichel as a player, and I've never wanted him to leave. I've never wanted him to be traded. I've accepted that it is going to happen, but I never wanted it to happen. And I don't know. I'm just going to – I'm going to go into the weekend – dreaming as illogical as it might be. I'm going to go into the weekend dreaming that Jack Eichel could remain a Buffalo Sabre because of two very dumb things. He uh, of dumb reasons to believe that the Sabres are following him on Twitter and he skated this week in Boston and he did it with a Sabre jersey on. He didn't have to do that, did he? He definitely did not have to do that. I could tell you that as someone that plays hockey you know, I'm not on a regular ice team right now, but still once in a while. Um, I wear, like, a different practice jersey every single time I play, almost. So the idea that Eichel didn't have another thing to wear is not it. So he was he was dressed. He was in that locker room, putting his skates on, putting his gloves on. He had to, he had to put a jersey on. He reached into the bag. He pulled out a Sabre jersey, and he did it. He didn't think twice about it. He didn't – well, I, mean, I guess he could have. But he did not do it. He didn't say, no, I'm not wearing this because I don't want anybody to get the idea that I still have any, you know, I, I don't want anyone to think I would ever put this uniform on again, to put this logo on again. He wore it. I'm just saying, that happened. He doesn't hate them that much. <laughs> At least, seemingly, he does not hate them that much. So, um, we'll see. Maybe more of this tomorrow on, oh, by the way, 
there was another Eichel thing today. Real quick. Um, Rangers reporter. Oh, I'm going to lose it now. Steven Valaquette, MSG. He tweeted earlier today, my spidey senses are tingling. Eichel, at NYR, meaning the Rangers. He uh, wore a Spider-Man mask when he was a player, so that's what that means. Um, and then nothing happened. That was eight hours ago. So Eichel's not a Ranger. Thank goodness. I don't want any part of him on the Rangers. I don't like anything the Rangers offer. Um, so Eichel is still a Sabre. To Valaquette's descent. Um, I will be back tomorrow on Sports Talk Saturday, filling in for Nate Geary. So if you want to come back, talk some more on Allen's extension, a little bit on Eichel. And I've got a Ravens guest for tomorrow. We'll get into Mayfield and Lamar Jackson's extensions uh, now that the Allen president's been set. Talk to you tomorrow. Jody, this has been Jody Biasi in the Nightcap here on WGR. WGR.